Welcome back, everyone, to episode four of the Rundown Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Justin Rogers, and you can find me on Twitter at RunDFF. And I'm joined once again by Jeff Roby. And look, before we get going, I just want to stop and warn our listeners. Don't be like our listener, Jeff Ford. He was driving last week, headed up to the bar to have a drink while listening to the pod, and he wrecked his car. So look, take care while you're listening. I know we can be a distraction. We want you getting safe everywhere, so focus on the road, focus on what you're doing. But remember, we're here for you anyways. On to football, where I'd say week three was pretty chalk. The big-time running backs all performed. We had some monster performances by top-end wide receivers and really good matchups. And the Dolphins and Jets were putrid, just like we all expected them to be. One surprise was that Saints defense and special teams performance against the Seahawks. It had to feel good for your guys to step up with the Saints offense missing its leader, hey Jeff? Yeah, absolutely. I think anytime you can go into Seattle, we got a lot of heartbreak in that stadium. Uh, and pull out a win in the rain with the 12th man, you feel fantastic. The Saints obviously came back around them and showed that they still one of the teams competing for the Super Bowl this year. So we're definitely going to welcome Drew Brees back but right now. The Saints are still one of those teams to be on the prowl for. So I don't know about from a fantasy perspective, that offense, but we can talk about that a little later. But from a, from just a, being a fan, hey, I'm happy with what I'm seeing. But yeah, uh, right, be, right. being a Falcons yeah. fan now, I mean, I don't know if you're I feel go, like I'd be in the same situation. You're going you're going to go there, huh? You're going to do that to me. Just yeah. kicking me in the face like that. Another close loss. You know, just needed more time. The first half was terrible. The second half was amazing and takes 60 minutes of football and they didn't get it done. So it is what it is. No one knows that better than a Falcons fan, knowing that there are 60 minutes in a football game, you know, because. I'll shut this whole thing down and we'll cancel this podcast. You better watch your mouth. But look, I, I want to touch on a couple things real quick before we get in, and it kind of has to do with one of the guys on the Saints, and it's what's going on with all of our elite receivers. We got Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Juju Smith-Schuster, Michael Thomas, all of them top 10 receivers last year, and none of them are in the top 15 right now. They're struggling. Uh, there's some real issues with what's going on with our top-end wide receivers. Outside of a few, you know, you mentioned Julio last week and worried about him. He's the furthest thing from a worry considering what's going on with the other guys around. Are you worried about these guys, or are you full steam ahead on all of them? No, I I am worried, you know, and especially for Vikings fans and anybody who's a a Thielen or or Diggs fan because I I just don't know if QB1 there can actually turn it around this season. I mean – He's already self-doubting, which doesn't help his teammates around him, saying that, hey, if I'm, I keep playing like this, I'm going to be cut. But those two wide receivers to me, I'm worried if I'm an owner. Um, Michael Thomas, I'm not worried about. You know, Devontae Adams, I'm not worried about. Juju Smith-Schuster, I'm on the fence. I didn't like what I saw from Mason Rudolph, but, man, I would say that if I'm a Vikings owner of, a, of one of their wide receivers – I'm definitely in a situation right now where I'm figuring out maybe I should sell these guys right now. So just my thoughts. I think that there's several names on here that I would be legitimately concerned with. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, I'm not worried about. He's going to get his. I feel okay with Michael Thomas going forward. The next few weeks, I'm not comfortable saying he's a wide receiver one. Even though he scored a decent amount of points this week, it was five for 54 and a touchdown. So it wasn't anything impressive. Devontae Adams, I don't know. I might be a little worried. 
Aaron Rodgers is on pace for 3,500 yards, actually a little less than 3,500 yards. That's terrible. In today's NFL, where 4,000 yards is a standard, you know, mid-tier quarterback benchmark, it's just not very strong to have an offense led by that. And so I'm worried about Devontae Adams. The Juju Smith-Schuster thing, he was two for five yards outside of that 76-yard reception. I'm dumping him if I can. I got to move on. Diggs and Thielen, it's Kirk Cousins and that offense. They're so focused on running the ball that they're not distributing targets like they did the last couple of years. So definitely worried about them. But if I feel good about anybody in here, it's Hopkins and Michael Thomas for the long run. I think Michael Thomas is going to get his targets, even though looking at that offense and what it did this past weekend, it wasn't all that impressive. But they were able to move the ball well enough to get their two studs, Michael Thomas and, of course, Alvin Kamara, their fantasy points. Otherwise, it was kind of a struggle bus all day. Let me throw something back to you. So you talk about Devontae Adams. And here's why, for me, I still think that he's going to be a lead wide receiver, okay? You got a new coach there in Green Bay who came out and said that he's he wants to have a conservative approach, get back to old school Packers football kind of thing. But... When you start getting into the later part of the season, that old school Packers offense that run the game kind of thing, it, it, when they start playing some of these high profile teams, it's going to be in these shootouts. Devonta Adams is still going to be the go-to guy. He's still wide receiver number one to me. This past week, I mean, it's just just odd how it kind of played out. And Marquez Valdez-Scanley is certainly a stud. He has proven that. And he's getting the targets right now. But I'm not on the fence with him. I'm still playing him every week. I think that, you know, he's going to have to – it's going to have to prove yeah. me. This goes back to what we said last week is it's not that you're you're benching him. You just have to lower expectations. He's got 21 targets on the year, which is only 112 target pace. That's a wide receiver to – pace right there unless he starts getting a ton more targets and i know aaron Rodgers came out and said he wants to feed him the ball more or whatever but it's not like he was gobbling up targets in the first two games he had eight nine and then four you're not looking at a situation where he's just a target hog you know on pace for 170 or 180 targets we'll talk about someone in a few minutes that's on an incredible target pace but Devonte adams is slowly but surely getting there but it's not what we saw last year for certain i mean we have a long way to go to reach the standard that he set last year but look let's move on we've talked enough about these guys and we'll get back to them in a little bit but let's talk about our varsity and jv because we like this segment we want to talk about who did well maybe who let you down i'm gonna get it going with my boy mike evans and i'm gonna combine him with Jameis winston you know i said Jameis winston was a stream last week you fought me on it and he comes out there and lights up the Giants. It's the Giants. Anybody against the Giants. That's my motto for the season. But Mike Evans goes eight for 190 and three touchdowns. Jameis, 23 for 37, 380 with three touchdowns and one interception. Mike Evans goes from a wide receiver four to the wide receiver number seven with just this one game. I mean, it's a monster game. It was a, it was a weak winning performance. I had him on two teams and he carried both teams to massive wins. I can't say enough about what Mike Evans and Jameis did against that Giants defense. Yeah, Mike Evans certainly uh, impressed me this week. Uh, I'd certainly say that he rallied this week. And, you know, it's, it's just really a matter of time. I mean, so you know he's a stud wide receiver. So it's a matter here of of when he's going to get his. And, and it came in bunches this week. I mean, it just kind of shows Giants have problems on both sides of the ball. And we're going to talk about some hurt they got. But – that defense, anything you play it against them, it's going to go. So is a Mike Evans going to be consistent throughout, or is this going to be one of those where 
kind of like it was last year with DJX, where it's a kind of a back and forth, you know, who's going to be the guy there towards the end of the year. I, I don't know. Like last year, we kind of chalked it up to we didn't know who's going to be the quarterback each week. Now we kind of solidified that it's definitely Jamison Winston. Is it going to be Godwin or is it going to be Evans? I, I don't know. Who's going to be the stud this, this week? This week is not a week where I feel like I'm going to start them both and feel good about it. You just kind of have to pick one and go for it. Um, I'm always going to be on the Mike Evans train because I feel like he's the much better receiver. But I think Godwin is a better overall consistent week-to-week receiver than Djax was, so that can affect Mike Evans a little bit more. But it showed this week when they threw the ball up to him, he went and got it, and he showed what he can do. And look, speaking of went and got it and targets and lots of them, Keenan Allen. I know we got all these other receivers we talked about coming in that are outside the top 15 struggling this year. Keenan Allen is not one of those guys. He is the number one wide receiver on the year. He went 13 for 183 and two. Uh, Just an incredible target pace. He's on pace for 224 targets. That would smash the record of 208. He's also on pace for the most receptions in a season. It's just absurd the volume that he is getting. If you are playing any DFS, you cannot bench Keenan Allen. You've got to put him in some lineups, have some exposure somewhere. If you've got him on a lineup, it's obviously a no-brainer. He's in there every week. I don't know that Phillip Rivers is really targeting anybody else. And so this kind of makes for an awesome opportunity for Keenan Allen just to go bonkers. And Phillip Rivers has always been an elite quarterback, just doesn't have the resume with the wins in the postseason, the Super Bowls, and et cetera, et cetera. But, but he's a great quarterback. He can throw the ball on the spot, and he showed it. He can do it today. And Keenan Allen is a recipient if you're an owner of him. Yeah, you're laughing all the way to the bank on that one. Yep. So I, I'll bring somebody up. Uh, you know, for me, a varsity staying right there in the AFC West. Um, you know, I, I, he's my man, Darren Waller, 13 of 14 on his targets, 134 yards. Still, he hasn't got a touchdown, but the man is still balling out, you know. From a tight end perspective, uh, you know, it's just another one that, hey, he's probably low, eighth, ninth round in your draft, and, and you're sitting real pretty right now. Are you are you listening to me in the first and second week when I said go get him, go get him? Uh, he's still balling out, you know, 20 point this week. That's a fantastic stat line for pretty much the only Raiders player that I would say worth anything besides Tyrell Williams. And I'll get into Josh Jacobs in a little bit, but Darren Waller's my baller. And staying with tight ends, Greg Olson. I mean, the old man, he played fantastic. Six of seven for 75 and two touchdowns. And, you know, that was just a great matchup there for Allen to come in and, you know, use the old man. He can lean on him, and you saw him just play well. Week three, Greg Olson was a good player, and I, I think for me, certainly a continuous play going forward. As long as Kyle Allen continues to be the quarterback, because it looks like that's the guy he's going to lean on. Olsen may look like a stiff out there, but he's still putting up those numbers, and that's all that matters for us. We don't care what he looks like as long as he can catch the ball and he's a dependable target. Hey, go for it, man. He was one of my streamers last week and paid off in a big way for a lot of people. I know I won a little bit of money on DraftKings stacking him and Kyle Allen, so that was nice. So when you talk about stacking, you know, let me tell you a guy that really kind of came out this week, and, and we could talk about his stack there. But Mitch Trubisky, 25 of 31, 231, three touchdowns. Hey, he did throw an interception, but what a great weekend. What a great turnaround for a guy in a whole franchise there that was kind of starting to question. Look at all these studs out there that are doing well, and with the second overall pick, 
Mitch Trubisky uh, has done nothing for us this year. Hey, guess what? He stepped back up and, and shut people up. He just needs to continue doing that. But this week, he played like a varsity player uh, as a, as a first-round draft pick. He's got another game against Minnesota. It's at home. My thinking here is that Mitch Trubisky is going to play consistent here going forward at least. Yeah, I like Trubisky going forward as a QB2 uh, super flex option for sure. You know, he goes from not throwing any touchdowns in the first two weeks combined to three in the second quarter of this game. Just an amazing performance. And really, it was anchored by Taylor Gabriel, who just showed out. He was breaking down the cornerbacks, easy throws for Trubisky to get to Taylor Gabriel. He did have that one amazing catch on a great throw right at the pylon there, got both feet in. What an amazing performance by Taylor Gabriel. Three touchdowns in the second quarter. You go six for 75 overall. Uh, you know, can't complain about that. He's another one of my varsity players. Now, we've talked about all these goodies. Let's talk about these ones that just didn't get it done. Our JV squad for the week. Thanks a lot, Le'Veon Bell. Thanks a lot. Now, I can blame this overall on the Jets' offense. Without Sam Darnold, they just look horrible. It's just bad. But 18 for 35 on the ground, 4 for 28 through the air. The only positive thing is that he's still getting lots of action in the past game, there's something to look forward to. They're on bye this week. Hopefully Sam Darnold can come back, stay out from behind the bleachers, and maybe he can be back on the field for the Jets, and then we can look forward to better days from Le'Veon Bell. But it wasn't exactly what we expected. He had a lot of usage, but just not a lot of performance. And then Stefan Diggs, man, I just don't even know what to do with him. He's wide receiver, 67 and half PPR for the season. 67! This is a guy who was drafted in the third, fourth round by everybody. He went three for 15. Three for 15, 67th on the year. I benched him this coming week. I've already set my lineup. I didn't even want to mess with him. I just threw him on the bench because I just can't trust anybody in that offense besides Dalvin Cook. Other than that, I just don't know that I'm going to feel great about anybody. Thielen's had a couple good weeks. He had a dud one week, but Diggs... Outside of one catch has been terrible for the season. The Minnesota Vikings went out and re-signed Laquan Treadwell. They have some, that's a Chad BB. That's a that, that's a Chad BB thing where Chad they can't BB they can't rely on him next week, so they needed the depth. Here's, but here's what I'm saying. My point being is that I kind of laughed when I heard that because I was like, well, here's a guy who's got 56 receptions in his entire career after being a first-round draft pick. That's exactly what you want coming into the offense. Another guy right. to sit there and run down the field for somebody not to throw him the ball because that's what's going on with Stephon Diggs. <laughs> and so who else could you do but besides a guy you're already paying to not catch balls anyways? Well, on the plus side, Treadwell is a good blocker, so you know that's yeah. great for Dalvin Cook, hey, exactly. sure, okay. And, that, and that's what you need. Maybe instead of signing wide receivers, they should put some offensive linemen on those positions and uh, let them block Jeez. because Dalvin Cook's the only guy catching. So, you know, I will tell you, I've got two running backs on my JV. And and before I get to them, I will tell you, I, I did have JV as Devontae Adams. We talked about him already, 4-4-56. Not happy with him, but I think he's going to get better. Okay, let me get into my two running backs. First off, Sony Michelle, 11 yards this was your week brother this was your week i'm really just shocked this was the week that you were supposed to carry the load because you were going up against the jets and and you put up nothing and i'm really just i'm really shocked by this from a guy who was a former first rounder who just really hasn't lived up to the hype you're talking what 
2.4 yards per carry this season. And that guy, to me, I'm not planning. Not planning. In fact, I don't know that I could even trade him. Rex Burkhead's the guy we'll talk about going into who to pick up later. If he's still out there, you know, he's the guy. But Sony Michelle is not even a player to me. With James White gone for the birth of his child, everyone thought that Sony would have a good shot. I think a lot of people, especially in the DFS community, were high on Rex Burkhead going in simply because he's the more well-rounded back. But coming out, Sonny Michelle is supposed to be a pass-catching back. Now, I'm a Georgia fan. I saw it. It, it. He looked like the more well-rounded back. I thought, personally, that Chubb was the better NFL-quality running back. But Sony was going to be able to establish a role on a team that likes to push the ball on the outside to the running back and dump passes off. And he has not been that guy at all. It's really disappointing with James White out that Sony did well. He didn't do anything. I was going to say what he did with it, but he just didn't do anything besides the little five-yard touchdown early on in the game. Uh, He's got two out of his three games where he averages basically a yard per carry. 15 attempts for 14 yards against Pittsburgh and then nine for 11 against the Jets. That's just... If you're an owner right now, you've been playing him. You're not playing him anymore if you're listening to us right now. We're telling you, he's got to show me some consistency. When you're dominating teams, that's when you're running back. If you're a fantasy guy, that's when you're expecting your running back to get the carries, to carry the weight. So when you look up matchup, it's like, okay, I'm going up against the Dolphins. I'm going up against the Jets. You're expecting your running back to put up good numbers, and they're not, and he's not. Burkhead had the carries, and so for those of you who went out and got Burkhead and played him, you probably came out fantastic. Those of you who still play in Sonny Michelle because you thought that was going to be a play, you're obviously disappointed as I was. But let me get into another running back that I'm disappointed in, right? Josh Jacobs, and I said this kind of earlier, I'm kind of disappointed in him, 44 yards total. I don't know what Rudin has got going on. I don't know if he's still it's a little depressed over losing Antonio Brown or what the deal is there. But whew, 44 yards for a guy who's a first-round pick who, who was supposed to be the bell cow for the Raiders that, need, that needed, they needed a running back to carry this team right now. He just did not help out this past weekend. I really kind of. I think there's been a lot of anticipation for rookie running backs after the last few years of performance. And Jacobs, Montgomery, and Sanders are showing that it's tough to go from college to the pro, man. There's a learning curve there that uh, maybe is evident more so this year than in past years. Jacobs and the other guys, they're really struggling to live up to NFL standards right now. And maybe that gets better as the year goes on and they develop a feel for the speed of the game. But right now, here's what I feel this week. You know, I think for Jacobs, while he's by JV last week, and as you're pointing out, hey, he's maybe gets better. As he, this is a show me week right now if, as a Josh Jacobs owner. Okay. He's got the Colts who have improved on both sides of the ball from what we thought. Uh, the day luck retired, but their run defense gives up fifth most points to running backs, according to Fantasy Pros. Even some other news here, John Gruden was quoted via The Atlantic as saying that he wants to get Jacob some more running time and, and get him involved with the passing game. So obviously they're recognizing that they got to get the guy involved. So with those two things right now, this is a show-me week for Jacobs and, and Gruden. Show me that what you're saying is going to translate to, as a fantasy owner, that Jacobs is going to put up some fantasy points worth 
an RB2, RB3. Otherwise, he's going to be a plug-and-play later in the season. Right now, I'm looking at him more as a flex than as a uh, RB2. And with bye weeks coming up, he's going to have some usefulness, but he definitely scares me a little bit going forward. And I got one more guy. Man, he was the stud of the first two weeks at the tight end position, Mark Andrews. But then he just craps the bed on us this week. Three for 15. In a game where they were trailing and had to throw a lot, he didn't have the work. And I don't know what happened there. Uh, I didn't get to see a lot of that game. I watched all of that game. You know, that that was one of the games that I had on my main TV. And I'll tell you, it wasn't Andrew's fault. This was a really, really bad week for the Ravens offense. They just weren't clicking in all cylinders. The, The score is not even close to how bad they played. So I think he has a bounce back. Yeah, I agree. He had a tough week. That definitely should be on our JV list. But I expect him to have a bounce back. I, you know, I watched that game and it definitely wasn't on. It wasn't on Andrews. It wasn't like he was doing something where he's dropping balls or anything. So. Yeah, I think this was maybe a coming back to earth game for Lamar Jackson, where we saw that he can run well, but he still has some developing to do as a thrower, and so maybe that affected. Uh, Mark Andrews a little bit, but I think, uh, overall, I think this game was one of those games where you're saying, "Hey, I'm Lamar Jackson. I'm the MVP. I'm the guy that's going to carry this league, not Mahomes, and I've got to prove it." And then we found he got to put so much pressure on his back instead of relying on his team around him to do it. Whereas Mahomes just looked so fluid while he's out there and does what he just does. I think he he got grounded a lot in that game from his first two. You saw him just go back to his running running back roots. <laughs> and uh, But I think here a bounce back uh, with against um, Baker Maker is an opportunity for him to, to come back and show that he is still a very good quarterback with the philosophy and the program that they got right now for him. I think this is a bounce back week for him. Yeah. Well, look, we've covered all of our guys. We've talked about the goods and the bads, but let's get to the rundown here real quick. Just because we want to touch on a couple things. Thankfully, it wasn't a huge injury week, but we did have one massive injury. And for all of you folks that drafted the 101 and picked Saquon Barkley, I'm sorry. This is fantasy football. This is how it goes. He's got a high ankle sprain. He's out four to eight weeks. And there's speculation that the eight weeks is the more likely than four weeks at the, the longer timeline is what they're expecting. The news out on him, and I'm I'm a Barkley owner, so I'm I'm the one who <clears throat> I'm I'm slowly getting over and crying right now on that one. But they, he is going for a second opinion tomorrow. That obviously did not work out for Drew Brees when he went for his second opinion. Okay, so he still had that search. So Maybe just some reinforcement on maybe how long this actually takes. The problem here with, with, with Saquon Barkley is that it's not one of those situations where he can do like Drew does, where he's got this bye week that he can use as a target. And so as a fantasy owner with, with Saquon Barkley, I could say, hey, his bye week is like week 12. So eight weeks from now puts him – is it like a – you know, four to eight weeks. I'm not as a fantasy owner of Barkley. I don't really know what that means to me because I can't say, well, yeah, he's got a bye week in week seven, so that's a good target. He'll be back after that. No, it's it's bye week is week twelve. So you're sitting there saying it could be four, it could be eight, it could be longer, it could be the come week ten of the football season. You still got two wins on the Giants because they're playing in the same yeah. division as the Eagles and and the Cowboys. So to me. It's a situation where as a Saquon Barkley, and you can see my frustration with this because I'm an owner, okay? 
And so I'm, I'm sitting here saying to myself, I don't know what's just going to happen. And his backup, Wayne Gallman. Okay, who I don't even know. I didn't even know his name until this week. Okay, <laughs> okay so great. His greatest claim to fame is he is the week four number one waiver wire pickup. That is his current claim to fame because nobody else knew him before this week. So now look, let me let me stop saying, let me stop you. Look, 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 hey, Jeff, uh, come Jeff, on. take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. I'm gonna take over while you cool down because. You're getting hot, man. You're getting hot, man. I think right now is maybe a time to capitalize on some name value with Saquon because if you're looking at seven or eight weeks off, even if you're 3-0, and that's a long time to sit on a player. Maybe you can capitalize. You can trade him for someone like, I don't know, Marlon Mack or Derrick Henry, which that may be a stretch based on his performance so far this year. I don't know. I think maybe you're getting in the Carlos Hyde range. For him. Yeah, that's scary. Right, right, right. And that's scary because you just don't want to sell too low, but you might end up with missing the playoffs altogether. So it doesn't even matter what. Maybe you can move him for carry on Johnson. That would be a player I would target. All right. So you can really try and work for something like carry on Johnson or a couple of these other players we'll mention in a minute. But if you're a three and O team with a strong running back core, he's a player. Maybe you target. Maybe you go after him because When he comes back for those late-season games, he's got Miami in Week 15, Washington in Week 16. Jeff was mentioning these teams in the pre-show where we were just kind of going over some things, so I wanted to bring it up. But that's a prime setup for the playoffs. So you got two different scenarios. If you're a Saquon owner and maybe you're one and two, it might be time to move on. If you're an owner who has you know three and zero or two and one with a really strong running back core, and you've got some space on your bench, you've got some scrub or something, maybe he's someone you target. But otherwise, I'm worried if you're an owner of him and you're one and two and you don't move, that you're going to end up missing the playoffs. And it doesn't matter that you had Saquon Barkley on your team because a pretty roster doesn't win games if those players aren't in your lineup. A couple other injuries real quick. Let's just run over them. LaShawn McCoy with a re-aggravated ankle. Uh, He went in with that ankle issue and then uh, had to leave the game. Uh, We'll mention more about him in a minute. Cam Newton, he's got a Liz Franck injury. Four to eight weeks is what they're saying for that. That could be a huge impact for the skill position players. It really looks like Kyle Allen might be a better passer than Cam Newton. Cam Newton is obviously a dynamic player on the field, but what he lacks in throwing ability, he makes up for with his legs. And so as an individual fantasy player, he may be superior, but for the team, That might actually be a good thing for DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and the aforementioned Greg Olson, who had a monster game. And then one more to keep an eye on, uh, T.Y. Hilton. He left the game early with a quad injury. He's day-to-day. There was news today that he's unsure of his availability for this week. So just keep an eye on that. I got one for you, Justin. Vance McDonald, okay? Okay. His shoulder was in a sling today. Definitely questionable right now. That raises some concerns because he's – He's actually yeah, spots. Yeah, but let's just hope that you weren't starting Vance McDonald, to be honest with you. Because it's not like if you were starting Vance McDonald, he was the player that was winning you games. I mean, he's been pretty bad the entire season. So, uh, I mean, granted, it's a small sample size, only three games. But outside of get, catching two touchdowns against Seattle, it was seven for 38 yards. It was two for 40 against New England. I mean, the guy's not exactly lighting it up. He just ended up having a prime situation with Seattle in the red zone. But... Uh, and Mason Rudolph was looking for him. He went down early in in the game on Sunday, and, and I think we're starting to kind of see what what it is that's there. So 
I think right now that's a hard one to reinforce. And, and with, with them trading for a tight end, I think that's a question mark. If you had him, you probably, I mean, Vance McDonald was one of those top eight tight ends that, that were drafted off the board. To me, it's kind of one of those question marks is like, I think you maybe can wait a little bit longer or, or you could drop him for one of our streamers that we'll talk about here in a little bit. Yeah, I think he's droppable right now simply on the fact that he's one of those touchdown-dependent tight ends that you can't trust week to week. Hey, you mentioned the trade, and it came through shortly before we started recording, but I uh, just wanted to run over it real quick. Nick Vanette of the Seattle Seahawks went to the Steelers today. Don't know what the details of the trade are. It doesn't really matter, but it does have some impact on what we're talking about here. We've mentioned Will Disley in the past and he's one that now he has no one behind him really so that really solidifies Disley's role in the offense not that it's been a question although there was uh the garbage time I mean real garbage time no time left free play at the end of the game touchdown that uh, boosted his stats but it was still a reasonably decent day and then of course like you just mentioned it does raise questions about Vance McDonald's availability going forward I mean he played 15 snaps and then was out uh, he was in a, his arm was in a sling today. He's definitely got a shoulder injury, and we haven't heard exactly what it is yet. But the practice reports going forward, we're going to know more. And I think this trade, it kind of tells the story of what the Steelers are expecting. Uh, so let's move on from injuries because I'm tired of talking about them. But we do have a couple big performances by some breakout players. Daniel the Giant Jones goes out there and makes Daniel Eli. Dimes, Daniel Dimes. See, you call him Daniel Dimes like everybody else. I'm calling him Daniel the Giant. He went out there, just balled out two rushing touchdowns along with uh, just moving the ball through the air really well. Brings the Giants back on an epic comeback uh, to win that game. Although, honestly, had it not been for more Tampa Bay kicking woes, uh, they should have won that game on the back of Mike Evans and Jameis Winston. But Daniel Jones definitely does what he does what he needs to do to get them a win and they are glad to be on the board in the W column. Let me ask you about Daniel Jones for yeah. just a second, all right? Because in the market that we're in, you know, that we're that our listeners are in, right? Daniel Jones is, is not he's just another guy. But if you were in New York, right, in a big city, Daniel Jones is literally the talk. Okay, and we we see it on ESPN, we hear it on any of the the uh, the, the podcasts. Let me ask you this: Yes or no? Before this past weekend, did you consider Daniel Jones a runner? Actually, yeah, he ran he ran quite a bit at uh, Duke. He tucked the ball away and put some stats on the board there. It, it was actually surprising, but he's a fairly good athlete, kind of sneaky athlete, sort of like what uh, Andrew Luck was. He's not the thrower that Andrew Luck came out looking like. But he definitely has the ability to to tuck the ball and run. Um, but he wasn't surprising you with his breakaway speed. He wasn't one of those guys that when you came in and goes, "Hey, that boy can run too." He's a dual threat quarterback. To me, it kind of no, goes. But, do you remember Josh Eli Allen coming out? out no one expected. To me, is is you got Eli Manning out there. Anybody runs faster than Eli Manning. Okay, in, anybody runs faster than Eli Manning. So naturally, if you're a big city quarterback like Daniel Jones is right now, then technically Drew Brees is actually a faster quarterback than Eli Manning. They're going to be like, oh, man, we got a dual threat quarterback here. No, Daniel yeah, Jones. See, you, may he, be, you may miss this. Let me, let me throw something at you real quick. Daniel Jones had 1,300 yards rushing in three seasons and 17 rushing touchdowns. He's no stranger to tucking that ball and running, especially close to the end zone. I think anybody that was in the draft process, uh, if you play Dynasty and you're really plugged into rookies, you kind of knew that was in his uh, repertoire. Sort of like what Josh Allen did. 
I think there's a very similar parallel between Josh Allen and Daniel Jones, both disrespected during the draft process and then comes out and is able to perform on the NFL level. So Everybody uh, last saying the same thing. Who knew he was a runner? Everybody talked about his huge arm, you know? So, yeah, you're you're right. And so my question, my second question on and last question on, on, on Daniel Jones is this. What do you see his, where's his ceiling? Is he a QB1 later in the season? Is he QB2? No, I don't think. I don't think he's a QB one simply because it's such a deep position uh, with so many good established studs. But I do think he's a borderline top end QB two. You know, in the QB thirteen to seventeen range, I wouldn't put that past him simply because he is able to run. He's got weapons with Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard, so he's got something, and he's got Golden Tate coming back. Yep. Right. Yep. Golden Tate. So he's going to have opportunity to spread the ball around and get targets to players who can make something happen. So I think Daniel Jones is a legitimate bi-week fill-in, matchup stream play, which worked out great this past week if you were able to slay him. Who's going to make other fantasy football uh, owners uh, of those other Giants players that you just named, you're going to feel better. You you feel better now. Absolutely. The offense as a whole looked much better than when Eli Manning was behind center. I mean, just moved better. Daniel Jones was able to hit the man as he needed to. And it was clear who the better quarterback on the Giants is. And Eli is on his way to retirement after watching what Daniel Jones did. Barring injury, Eli won't see the field again for the Giants. Uh, Speaking of seeing the field and maybe not doing it for a while, Cam Newton out. Kyle Allen in. And taking care of business out there, getting four touchdowns, making the offense hum. Everyone on that offense looked good. I mean, if you take what he did and plug it into any other team, you're happy. So the Carolina Panthers couldn't be any more ecstatic for what he was able to do for them. Uh, If you're a fantasy owner of DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Greg Olson, Christian McCaffrey, you're just happy as can be. You're a hog in mud right now because of what he was able to accomplish with that offense i tell you this Justin. this is what impresses me about him okay it's not so much he didn't he didn't throw 300 yards that you know so so what impressed me was a 73 percent completion and he also had four touchdowns and he had 10 yards per average those are impressive stats that says cam newton i'm okay with you you getting yourself right i'm okay with you getting your leg you know right i'm okay with you getting your head right because i i said last week i thought there was something going on with his head but I think it's okay. We, you know, he came in and played. So I'm okay right now uh, saying Kyle Allen going out there and, and playing the way he is. And to me, of all these players that have we, we've talked about with these new quarterbacks that are, that are playing this past week, Kyle Allen is the top guy. If you're, you're looking for dynasty pickup, uh, long-term kind of stuff, Kyle Allen's your guy in my opinion. Yeah, look, here, let me give you one quick one, and it's his TD percentage. So he has two starts and six touchdowns. That's a 10.5% uh, touchdown percentage. The guy we've all been raving about, Patrick Mahomes, his TD percentage is somewhere around 8.5. Kyle Allen is working the ball into the end zone at an unprecedented rate. Now, I'm not saying he's Patrick Mahomes because clearly we're talking about a revolutionary talent in Patrick Mahomes. But at the same time, you can't ignore the fact that he's made that offense move. So we talked about the good, the, the good things about him. Here's a knock on him, okay? He put the ball on the on the turf twice. All right, he lost one. Yeah. So he he's got some things to go. And, and so we're not talking about hey, go pick him up right now. 
But what we're saying is that here's a guy that we we liked this week and that you should keep your eyes on. Out of the guys who played, like, who started this week with veteran quarterbacks down, he is, to me, he's above Daniel Jones, and he's the top guy that I'm keeping my eyes on. Yeah, see, I'll still take Daniel Jones over him because at least I know Daniel Jones has a job throughout the season. Kyle Allen probably ends up losing that job back to Cam Newton, although with that performance, they may say, hey, Cam, take a couple extra uh, weeks off here. Make sure you get right. But uh, look, we're talking about opportunity here and how these guys got opportunity and a couple other players that I want to mention real quick, Daryl Williams and Nelson Aguilar. Daryl Williams comes in with Damian Williams out and then with LaShawn McCoy getting hurt in the game and plays really well. And then Nelson Aguilar with the top two receivers out for the Eagles. Not a great game, but a great fantasy game is what I want to say there. And that goes, I mean, it's just like a running back who averages three yards a carry and gets two touchdowns. It doesn't matter how it happened. If you got opportunity, Nelson Aguilar took advantage of that opportunity. And whether he was good or not, he was really good for fantasy teams. So I'm a, I'm an Aguilar owner. I, I picked him up off the waiver wires because I had D. Jackson one and I was on Jeffrey in another league. And I went and grabbed him. And obviously he played, uh, you know, because he got those touchdowns this week and he, he scored me some points. OK, but here's where I stand this week. He took advantage of it last week. I'm really putting him in the uh, caution uh, category. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's going up against the tackling short week. Yeah. Short week um, you know, and, and Packers have allowed the third fewest fantasy points to wide receivers after yeah. three weeks. I think that don't get all caught up in it because Aguilar went out there and had some touchdowns and he got some points. He's not, for me, one of those guys I'm going to be like, well, he has to be in because he's the number one. If I've got another wide receiver that's a number one and I'm wondering between the two of them, I may be playing that other guy. They're both their uh, number ones on their team. So, um, And then also watch for Jeffries. So to see if he's going to come back this week or not. So, yeah, it looked like a full practice. It looked like a full practice today. You know, they're on the short week, so you get a little earlier uh, look at the team. Full yeah. practice today. So you're talking about Aguilar taking a back seat again to yeah. uh, Ertz and uh, Alshon Jeffrey. So it was a one-week wonder kind of thing as far as I'm concerned. I plug and played him, and I might be dumping him just as quickly as that. Um, right. Well, I wish I could. I, I'm, the only league I have him in, it seems like these guys don't want to make any moves besides – what they already have on their team, which is kind of frustrating. Uh, but speaking of trading, and we mentioned some wide receivers at the top of the show that we want to buy low on. All those guys that we talked about earlier, with the exception of, for me, maybe one, and that's Juju Smith-Schuster, simply because I'm terrified of Mason Rudolph. Uh, but De- Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Thielen, Thomas, Diggs, get them. Uh, Lev Bell is another option for you to target at a, at a buy low simply because people are afraid of that Jets offense. And then a few guys that are injured that you need to keep an eye on, uh, A.J. Green, Melvin Gordon, Tyreek Hill. Those are great buys right now if someone's one and two uh, or two and one but need help on a bye week. Uh, look to maybe move a player that you've got that can work for you, for them. I, earlier today, I traded in a 16-team league where just running backs are hard to get. I traded uh, Chris Godwin and D.J. Moore for Lev Bell. Now, it kind of hurts my depth a little bit, but I have a pretty good team there. But now I'm going to roll out David Johnson, Joe Mixon, and Lev Bell, along with Keenan Allen and Odell Beckham Jr. I I massively upgraded my starting lineup because I think when Sam Darnold comes back that Lev Bell can be a really good player. A.J. Green is going to be a monster in that offense. 
We already know what Eckler has been able to do, and Gordon is twice the player that Eckler is. And then if you look at Demarcus Robinson and Miko Hardeman and what they're able to do with Patrick Mahomes, we all have seen what Tyreek Hill is capable of, and he is far more advanced as a receiver than those guys. A couple more guys, uh, Rashad Penny. He missed this last week, but if you watch that game and you've watched the first three weeks, Chris Carson's on thin ice right now with three fumbles lost. He's got four fumbles on the season. That's just nuts. That is a historically high fumble rate. If he does it again this week, he could end up out of a job just like that. So the only thing besides Pete Carroll's nose being broken is Chris Carson's ability to hold on to the ball and his arm. Whatever it is, he naturally holds the ball out a little bit, and he tried. But I'm going to tell you, three fumbles? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Your yeah. job is definitely a question. And uh, Yeah, he's not, he's not been great efficiency-wise. And then when you put the ball on the ground like that, please, man, you're going to lose a job faster than Charlie Sheen can say winning after three lines of coke. Uh, so I got one more. Uh, Damian Williams. Uh, we all know LaShawn McCoy's banged up. Darrell Williams, he just showed that anybody in that offense is going to be great. So keep an eye on Damian Williams. Maybe you've got an owner out there who is just – looking to dump him maybe they're thinking about dropping him on the waiver wire and you can give anything for him uh, because of what it's looked like out there i know he was an early round draft commodity but at the same time people get frustrated early in the season when they see no results or injuries so that's one you know, definitely even the kansas city chiefs running backs are it's almost like you can you can find anybody on the street i could i could play running back for the Kansas City Chiefs right now and, and be a stud because I don't know if it's Patrick Mahomes or the way that they their playbook is designed, but like you could just rise to the top and everybody seems, whether it's wide receivers or Travis Kelsey or Mahomes, Mahomes seems to just find a way to be next man up and, and play with them. Uh, so that's, you're talking that's about a, four. That's a, that's a hashtag Andy Reid. I mean, he's always been able to carry a running back. doesn't matter who it is. He is just plug and play throughout his coaching career. So uh, you can attribute all of that to Andy yeah. Reid right there. So, But that scares me a little because, yeah, well, I'm a Damian Williams owner in two, actually three of my four leagues, and I'm sitting them. But then – so when he comes back, then what? All right? We saw LaShawn McCoy come in, play well, and then he gets hurt. Darrell Williams, is that the next answer? Or is this going to be a running back by committee thing based on who's healthy and who just winds up being the guy who gets the ball this week? I don't know. I think the best thing about this offense is that any given week, whoever's healthy is the guy that's going to get in there. So if you've got LaShawn McCoy out this week, you can just count on Darrell Williams getting a significant amount of touches. If you've got McCoy out and Damian Williams is back, I think you're going to be able to count on him for at least a good amount of production there. But otherwise, week to week, it's going to be easy, but season long, it's going to be very hard. So let me throw one more out there, too, that you didn't name, by low target, okay? I've, I've got James Conner on this list, uh, and I know we talked pre-show about this, and, and we don't necessarily agree, but I think this coming up week is, and I said this kind of before with another player, is this is James Conner's show-me week. He's had another week to heal, okay? We saw him play a whole week, and he came out unscathed, or at least appears to be. He's got this whole week to get through it, backs up against the wall, you know, and they, and they get – you know, but they're not playing until Monday night. You've got an offensive coordinator, and this is being reported by ESPN, Randy Fisher, who's admitting some early failures, kind of hinting at James Conner, has affected his play calling and that 
He just needs to stick to the thing that he knows is going to do well. And Fisher has been one of those running running guys as offense core. I think it leans towards they're going to get back to the running game. This is a show me week for James Conner. He is one of those guys that's a buy low target. Yeah, this is a really good matchup for him this week. And But the only thing is Mason Rudolph is the quarterback there. And you expressed some optimism about him last week. But let me give you one stat, and it's an amazing stat. I heard it earlier, and I just couldn't resist repeating it. According to Next Gen Stats, he completed only two passes beyond the line of scrimmage. Not just like five, ten yards down the field. Two out of his 14 passes were beyond the line of scrimmage. He attempted 27 throws and got two of them beyond the line of scrimmage. No, man, I'm out on that whole offense. So wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Aren't you just helping me make my point? You don't throw to wide receivers behind the line of scrimmage. You throw to running backs behind the line of scrimmage. You're helping me with my point here. So I'm trying to say that James Conner is a guy who can maybe catch the balls out of the backfield from this guy who literally doesn't maybe he doesn't know where the line of scrimmage is or he doesn't know how to pass it beyond the line of scrimmage. But Jeff, Jeff, what happens? James Conner, by low. Yeah, but Jeff, the problem is that he's not going to score points. If they're throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage, it's just going to be a putrid offense that's sitting there stuck in the mud at their own 30-yard line, three and out, three and out, three and out, just like what you saw this past weekend against the 49ers. I don't want a running back who gets tons of touches but no efficiency, a la Le'Veon Bell this past week. I mean, that doesn't do anything for you. James Conner had four catches for 14 yards this past If you're playing a full PPR, that's respectable. But it's not something you want to throw your hat down on. I mean, 13 rushes for 43 yards and four catches for 14. Man, I could go to sleep on something like that, dude. In half-point PPR, I mean, he was just – he was still terrible. I just – 7.7 points is not going to get it done. I don't care who you are. Scratch that. If you can buy James Conner on the super low low, sure. But like that offer we were trying to work out last week, it was – uh, my Kamara for your Cooper and James Conner? No, I wouldn't even do that right now. And that included another player from me. I wouldn't I wouldn't even think about that. I'm out on James Conner. That offense looks terrible with Mason Rudolph. I just I think we gotta move on from this. Hey, we need to move a little quicker right now. We've gone a little long so far. We got let's do a lightning round of waiver wire ads, just a little quick touches. I know our show comes out after most people's waiver wire runs, and we're gonna actually do something about that next week. But running real th- real quick through it. Uh, two running backs that stand out are Darrell Williams and Wayne Gallman. Um, Darrell Williams is, a, is, for me, my number one pickup. Only if McCoy looks like he might miss this game or is severely limited. And then Wayne Gallman obviously is going to have opportunity, although he's not a great player. But, again, opportunity in the NFL is huge. But going back to Williams real quick, he played 54% of snaps this past week versus McCoy's 38%. So he definitely had the advantage with McCoy's injury pulling him off the field. Uh, it's something that we want to keep an eye on. Uh, and we don't need to say too much about Wayne Gallman. Uh, he's going to have tons of opportunities. Saquon's down. Uh, Jeff already talked about it a little bit, so we'll keep moving. Uh, oh, one of one of Jeff's other guys, Will Disley, still only owned in 20-something percent of leagues. It's just silly. Uh, pick him up. He's got the cards this week. That's just an incredible matchup. We already know what they have been able to give up to tight ends. So grab him. He's a rest-of-the-year starter, especially with the news of Bennett moving on. I'm not even going to let you talk, Jeff, because you'll get running on Will Disley, and we already know how you feel about him. I mean, you've got a picture of him above your bed, so it's all good. Aaron nope. Waller. Well, that's true. You might have them side by side, Waller and Disley. Hey, Disley's know. creeping up. He's creeping up. 
And then one guy to look out for, guys, Tevin Coleman. Uh, he was dropped in one of my leagues. He's going to come back. It actually looks like he might be back in week five. They're on a bye this week. So this is one of those little sneaky pickups like we talked about with Chris Herndon and Golden Tate before. They're still on our list. But if you got the chance to grab Tevin Coleman, he's going to end up taking back that Breeder role. Breeder's going to fall into the Mostert role. And then Mostert and Jeff Wilson are going to become irrelevant again. So keep an eye on that. Take a look for him. Specifically search for him because he's not going to show up in the last week's stats or projected stats for this week. Uh, and then one more running back, Jamal Williams. Look, Matt LaFleur wasn't lying. Uh, he said he was going to get Williams more touches, more snaps. And sure enough, he outsnapped Aaron Jones 35-22. to 22. He looked like the better runner against the Broncos. Not that that's saying a whole lot because game to game, those guys go back and forth. But he's an option, especially if your bye week situation requires that you need a running back. Maybe you had Breida and Bell or something like that. Jamal Williams would be a strong pickup there. Yeah, Aaron Jones uh, really got lucky with his two touchdowns. Uh, I, I'm a guy who, who was very happy and pleased because I have Aaron Jones in two leagues. But uh, I will say that uh, yeah, Jamal Williams is definitely a sneaky pickup here, and he will start to benefit from those extra touchdowns. Yeah, I think there's going to be some touchdown progression instead of regression for him. And look, let's talk about a few wide receivers here. Uh, we all know about Antonio Brown not being with the Patriots anymore. Late cut last week. Uh, they moved on from him. But surprise, surprise. Uh, he may never play another down in the NFL. But one guy to keep an eye on is Philip Dorsett. I was big on Josh Gordon going into the game simply because I thought he was going to take the role that uh, Antonio Brown left behind. But one thing to note, Philip Dorsett actually played a team-high 92% of the offensive snaps for wide receivers. Uh, he played 71 snaps. That's a ton of time to be on the field, and he was productive in those snaps. So if you need some wide receiver help, he's one to look for. And then we mentioned so, uh, the So let me, yeah, let me jump ahead. in on, on Philip Dorsett for a second, okay? So at one point during that game, Josh Gordon went out with what would appear to be an injury, uh, but he did come yeah, back. back. Yeah, right. right. But, but here's the other thing that Dorsett benefited from. Julian Edelman was out the entire second half with a chest injury. So you had both Edelman and Gordon out, and then so you naturally saw Philip Dorsett jump back into that. Josh Gordon still had the team high, 83 yards on 11 targets. Philip Dorsett doesn't jump out at me as a pickup that I need to go grab right now. But he is certainly somebody where you're saying, yeah, I could probably pick him up, but I got to see what's going on with Edelman. Even before Edelman went out, he was still playing the majority of snaps, a much higher percentage of the snaps than either Edelman or Gordon to that point. There's still a significant role for him, regardless of whether Edelman is there or not. Now, if Edelman misses, He's a must-start, in my opinion, not just a grab. He's going to be a great play coming up, even against Buffalo, because we all know how Tom Brady has torched Buffalo in the past. You're saying the same thing I'm saying. I think with Edelman out, Philip Dorsett is definitely a play. But if he's not, then he goes back to kind of one of those situational players, you know, can if I can pick him up, I just maybe I sit him on my bench to kind of see what's going on. But – I don't know that I really got him in one of those. Uh, I'm putting any capital into to trying to go grab him this week. And that's okay. a good point. I don't know. That's a good point. I don't know that I'd spend more than a dollar or two on Fab, and I wouldn't waste a waiver priority. But I think he's one that could slip through, and you grab him as a free agent instead of using a waiver priority anyway. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm with you right there. See if you can sneak through. Don't spend the money on him. But if you if you uh, come on Thursday, come on Friday, if he's sitting there after waiver wires go through, grab him. Yeah. 
Agreed. And I think all these guys down here are in that range. We don't have a real strong waiver wire week this week, given that there wasn't a whole lot of injuries. Paris Campbell is my next guy. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, with his quad injury, is going to be day-to-day. Uh, it's just something to keep an eye on. If we get to Saturday and it looks like T.Y. is not going to play, Paris Campbell could be a nice sneaky play getting in there. Uh, he's he's going to be someone who can be a target magnet with those short to mid-range throws from Jacoby Brissett, which we all know he likes to throw. And then, look, we mentioned it last week. We're just going to reiterate Golden Tate and Chris Herndon. Guys, it's coming up. They're going to both have huge roles in this offense. So let's get them on our teams and keep on moving because in two weeks you're going to be glad that you've got those. Now, look, let's talk about real quick uh, offenses that are surging to the front, the Giants, Panthers, and Colts. They all played backup quarterbacks. All of them looked really good with those backup quarterbacks. The Colts have been playing Jacoby Brissett all year. The Panthers and Giants, we've already talked enough about them with uh, Kyle Allen and Daniel Jones. But then let's look at three offenses that are fading to the rear, and it's veteran quarterbacks who are perhaps underperforming. you got the Broncos with Joe Flacco. What a disappointing ad that was for them. They thought that maybe he would be able to do something as far as re-energizing that offense. The Raiders with Derek Carr, who after a strong week one has just come back to earth. And then the Chargers, again, another strong week one. And then the last two weeks, they put up 13 and 20 points. These are offenses that outside of a couple players here and there, you just can't look to play much on their teams. You got any feelings about any of these guys? We talked enough about those strong offenses that are moving to the front. How about the three moving to the rear? Yeah, so I, I I agree with you on Broncos and Raiders, but I disagree with you wholeheartedly on the Chargers, okay? I mean, we, we've already explained Keenan Allen, right? We said he's a must-start, okay? So Phillip Rivers is, is a quarterback that, that can throw the ball as playing the game, okay? We already said they really don't have much outside of that. So when you look at it from a holistic standpoint, um, yeah, I understand, but Melvin Gordon, Gordon's going to eventually come back. Austin Eckler is still – Top 10 running back, as if I I understand that. So you've got a top yep. 10 running back. You've got a top 10 quarterback. You've got a top 10 wide receiver. And somehow you're saying that that offense is fading to the rear? Well, yeah, actually, you don't have a top 10 quarterback. You've got the number 14 quarterback. It's it's kind of hard to believe. Okay. It's kind of hard to believe with the success that Eckler and Keenan Allen have, but nobody else on the team has done anything. And that's what the struggle is, is that – they had the massive 30-point uh, week one, but then 13 and 20 points the last two weeks. Those are subpar weeks. Those are 13 is is bottom of the NFL as far as uh, points scored, and 20 points is still subpar. I mean, the 22, 23 a week is is an NFL average. So, I but mean, who these, do they play this week? Who do they play? The Miami you know, Dolphins. Right, and so I think that's a cure-all for everything. They're not playing to the rear. That, I, I, that's why you you asked. And I just disagree with you on this That's one particular. I, I think I think they're going to have a great chance to really bounce back as everybody does against Dolphins. But as far as what they've done the last couple of weeks, it's been pretty rough. Yes. All right, guys, let's get to uh, some quick streamers real fast before we shut this down, because you know we like to touch on some players that will be able to help you this week. We've already talked about all these guys that we can pick up and uh, hope that they do something for us the rest of the season. But just this week, and you're going to hate me, guys because of what he did on Monday night, but Case Keenum, I don't care how bad he is. I don't care how bad anybody is. If you're playing against the Giants, you got the chance, and he's lined up with an awesome opportunity. Fire him up against this woeful Giants D and cash in that W when the weekend is over. 
And then Jacoby Brissett, it's just a matchup thing. He's been solid all season. Not a huge ceiling guy. Versus the Raiders, I feel like you're going to get enough out of Jacoby Brissett. You know, maybe 240 and a couple touchdowns. Uh, maybe a 20, 30 yards rushing because that's how he rolls. It's another opportunity to replace a player that maybe has a bad matchup. Uh, Brissett, he is a solid start against the Raiders. Yeah, so for me, I, I got a streamer here, and I think you know you as a as a Georgia fan can certainly appreciate Matthew Stafford uh, against the Chiefs. And let, let me tell you, Matthew Stafford right now to me is doing uh, pretty well so far overall. But here's something that will really catch your eye: it's against the Chiefs, right? So you're kind of it's going to be a shootout. The Lions have gained over 1,100 yards. But they've also allowed almost 1,200 yards. So that, to me, is is going to be a back and forth, throwing the ball down the field. It's just going to be a great matchup as far as scoring and, and touchdowns and everything else. I think Matt Stafford is going to be a great streamer for this week, and he's got a good efficiency rating. I say plug him in, and uh, and yeah, I think you're gonna you're gonna be pretty surprised with what you get this week. Yeah, you know, actually, my only concern is, and it's an interesting stat that I came up with because Casey has not been great against uh, opposing offenses, but for ten straight games in Arrowhead, no QB has scored over 22 points in six point passing touchdown leagues. Not even four point, but in six point passing. So I'm just not sure that there's a high ceiling there. I think you're gonna get a decent floor. 280, 300, and a touchdown or two, but I just don't see how you're going to end up with that 28 to 30 point game that a lot of people would expect out of Matthew Stafford. When KC goes on the road, start the QB against them, but when they're at home, they're a little bit better against a quarterback than you would expect. So just keep that in mind because there is something to that. Uh, The Chiefs at home in that loud stadium, they definitely play a little bit different. Let's move on to tight ends. We got a handful. Uh, Olsen versus the Texans. Look, if he's if he's still out there, grab him. He's a safety valve for Kyle Allen. Uh, he's just been excellent all season long. Uh, we don't really need to get into that. Texans have been mediocre against the past. Uh, TJ Hawkinson versus the Chiefs. Um, let's go back to the well on that one. I know he's been a no-call, no-show the last two weeks. But against the Chiefs, I think we're going to have opportunity there where they're trailing. And like we were talking about Stafford. Um, he's going to need target through the air. And besides Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, I just don't see where else he would go. So Hawkinson is a great play for me. And he had a touchdown this past weekend that got literally stripped out of his hands the last minute. Could have went either way in the replay. You know, he had both feet down. He had control of the ball, and then the ball got stripped while he was in the end zone. So, you know, that would have been that would have been some extra points there. But he only caught one pass for less than 10 yards. So that's two weeks in a row. I had him as my JV last week. This week, you know, I only played him when I actually had to uh, because I didn't get any in my waiver wire pickups. But this week versus Chiefs, yeah, you're right. Streamer, if you got to, to me, I'm still out. I think there's some other tight ends. Uh, you mentioned uh, Greg Orson uh, and Vernon Davis, but I would say Eric Ebron. He's probably available in quite a few leagues. And in fact, he's going up against the Raiders and Raiders are 20th against tight end. And my concern here is not so much that Eric Ebron is going to come out there and, and ball out 
it's it's more about the fact that T.Y. Hilton is concerning me because he activated his quad on Sunday, and this might give Brissett an opportunity to target Ebron a little bit more. So with the defense, that's kind of been giving up a lot to the tight end. So I say Ebron, and then obviously we mentioned Disley uh, because of uh, the availability of him in a lot of leagues. So against the Cardinals, yeah, who are the, the worst against the tight ends. Right, yeah, he's probably the number one stream for us for tight end. I mean, it's an easy choice what he's been able to do in that offense and the lack of receiving weapons, and it's the Cardinals. I mean, it's the Cardinals. That's all you need to know. Speaking of it's the Cardinals, how about it's the Dolphins, and the Chargers are playing them this week, so let's start them up on defense. There's no explanation needed. They suck, and so if you got the Chargers uh, available on your waiver wire, grab them and roll them out there. We already talked about how... Derek Carr has been struggling, so let's roll the Colts out there against that Derek Carr offense and see if they can actually put some pressure on them and do what they've been doing throughout the season and take advantage of bad quarterback play. And I'm going to go to the well on one on simply because it's Marcus Mariota, and I'll play anybody against him. And so I'm going back to my Falcons, who I think they can have a game like they did in Week 2 against the Eagles, uh, where that offensive line struggled against the Falcons' pass rush. I think you're in a similar situation with Marcus Mariota, who just looks bad. Uh, I'm surprised that they're not talking about a switch to Ryan Tannehill at this point. Uh, And that may happen this game because I feel like he's going to get out there and look like a deer in the headlights again. Yeah, I'm not taking Atlanta's defense. I'm I'm not not sold on that right now. I'm just looking at what they've how they've been doing and yes to me yeah i get it marcus mariota effect but i don't know not with you on that one uh i think you can you are certainly going to the well i will throw out there that i think the ravens which you would say hey hey roby how is the ravens a defense streamer well because a lot of people probably drafted them at this point half of those who drafted them have already dropped them so they're 50 percent available out and so if you're looking you may see the ravens and they're playing against uh the browns baker maker who knows what what he's going to do maybe he has a game like his first one but but baltimore comes to play when they're playing at home against cleveland they play hard and you're talking about a defense that hasn't translated into big plays but but baker mayfield is one of those who can make great plays for both the his offense, and for the opposing defense. He can he can make both of them look great at any given Sunday. I think it's it's to me an opportunity there to, to stream because he's available they're available in fifty percent of the leagues. Yeah, I dropped them last week in that deep league because I just don't like carrying two defenses and I'll be trying to grab them back simply because Baker Mayfield has looked completely overrated. The offseason hype has not paid off in the regular season, and the Ravens are they're getting around. Uh, even against the Chiefs, they had some spots where they looked pretty good. I'm, that look, that about, that about wraps it up, but look. Uh, all right, so just a little bit of administrative information. We're going to try and record this next Monday during Monday Night Football so we can have it out to you on Tuesday in time for waivers. So look for us a day earlier next week. But other than that, that about wraps it up, man. Uh, thanks again, Jeff. Another great show, and I'm glad that I was able to do it again with you. And I look forward to next time. Absolutely, buddy. This has been great. Uh, again, looking forward to it every every week. We got uh, Thursday night football. We got college football on Saturdays. I got Sunday football. I got Monday football. I do this with you on, on Tuesday. So, yeah, we're going to move it to Monday. But truth be told, I, I don't know what what I do on, on Wednesdays and Fridays when I ain't got football. So, 
Maybe the wife likes it a little bit better. So you catch us at the Rundown FF Pod and hit us up if you got any questions. Hey, if you're out there, you want to make some noise about what we're saying. You don't think you don't like us or like what we're saying. Uh, hey, send it over. Hit us up on Twitter and we'll, we'll we'll let you know. We'll let you know why we're saying what we're saying and and catch us all week long. Justin's over there posting all this hot hot and latest stuff uh, and, and news. So you should be not only listening to our podcast, but, but following our Twitter feed as well so you can see what's coming on. And then next week we're going to get it to a little quicker so we can hit those fast fairs. All right? Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, man. Hey, look, follow the Twitter feed. Come at us. I'll clap back. I got no problem with that. Uh, we like a little banter on Twitter. Uh, but anyways, remember you can find us on iTunes uh, by searching for the Rundown FF Pod. Uh, hey, mention it to your friends, guys. We want to we want to get as many people out there listening as we can. It'll be something fun to talk about. Uh, you can you can catch our new episode as they come out by hitting that subscribe button. And hey, you guys, feel free to leave us a rate and review. We want to hear what you're thinking, what segments you're enjoying the most. So leave us some feedback. Anyways, once again, thanks for listening. And remember, together we run this. Catch you next week. Bye.